Welcome to the Life Church Sermon Podcast. We're a church based in North Dallas with a desire to help people love God, love people, and make a difference. We hope you enjoy today's sermon. I'm going to be reading from the 12th chapter of the book of Judges. 12th chapter of Judges. I'll begin in the first verse of that chapter. It's in the Old Testament, Judges chapter 1. Grateful for what this weekend represents, our independence as a nation. And uh, I've not got to travel everywhere, but I have got to travel a few places, and I'm thankful to live in the greatest nation on planet Earth. It's not perfect. It's not perfect, but I'm thankful for it. Amen. I'm grateful for the kind of religious liberty that we have to be able to do what we're doing right now. And I'm grateful for all those people who died so that we could be able to do what we're doing, to have the freedom to worship like we are today. Amen. I hope you have a wonderful weekend with family and friends celebrating the United States of America. Amen. Judges chapter 12, verse number 1 says, Then the men of Ephraim gathered together, and they crossed over towards Zaphon. And they said to Jephthah, Why did you cross over to fight the people of Ammon and did not call us to go with you? Here's what they said they were going to do. We will, we will burn your house down on you with fire. Just a bunch of arsonists. We don't like what you did, so... Your house is going to burn. Jephthah said to them, my people and I, we were in a great struggle with the people of Ammon. And when I called you, I did call on you. I gave you a chance. But you didn't come out to deliver me out of their hands. So when I saw that you would not deliver me, pay attention to this, I took my life in my hands. And I crossed over against the people of Ammon, and the Lord delivered them into my hand. Why then have you come up to me this day to fight against me? I want to preach to you for a little while. It starts with me. Take your pointer finger out. Put it right here. It starts with me. Amen. Look at your neighbor. Tell him it starts with me. Amen. God bless you. You can be seated. Some of you turned it around and said it starts with you. No, no, that's not it. That's not what I ask you to say. It starts with me right here. This guy that I stare in the, in, the, in the mirror, you know, see in the mirror. It starts with me. For 500 years from the death of Joshua on one end and the death of Samuel on the other end, kind of book-ending this era of time, Israel, we find, was divided, and they were without consistent leadership. And to, to a degree, it was a time where each person did more or less what they thought was right in their own eyes. But then when an external threat would materialize, then the Lord would raise up what came to be known as a judge. We just read from the book of Judges, and so he would raise up a judge, and that judge, that leader, if you're wondering what a judge was, a leader, spiritual leader, 
that person then would arise and, and rally the people of God together to confront the enemy. And he, he or she, that judge, would then would, would serve the purpose of kind of turning the heart of the people back to God. So who are, who are these judges? These judges were men like Gideon, who God used to lead the Israelites against the marauding Midianites. These judges were people like Samson, whom God empowered to help them, them be able to face the Philistines. And then, then there was the female judge like Deborah, who the Lord anointed Deborah to lead God's people to victory over the Canaanites. And so these judges, these various judges were powerful figures to rally a nation to God's cause and to rally them against an opposing force. So we read about one just a minute ago. His name was Jephthah. And he was one of these judges that God used. As a matter of fact, to be more specific, Jephthah was the ninth judge. And the Bible tells us that when you really dig into the history of Jephthah in the preceding chapter, chapter number 11, that Jephthah didn't have a preferred background. You wouldn't be envious of his background. You wouldn't want to swap places with Jephthah. His father was a man by the name of Gilead, and that, that wasn't really an issue. But we find something about Jephthah's mother. Jephthah's mother was a harlot. She was a prostitute, a woman of ill repute. And because of that, Jephthah was not like his siblings. He was not like his brothers and his sisters. They, they, they were born to a father and a mother, but Jephthah was born into illegitimacy. And he grew up with that cloud hanging over his head always. But illegitimate or not, we find, and we just read about it in chapter 12 of Judges, that the Lord chose to use this man. And he led God's people to a great victory over the Ammonites. So, somebody needs to be encouraged by that today. Because it really doesn't matter what your background is. It really doesn't matter what your last name is or is not. God can still use you for his glory. Amen. As you might suspect, Jephthah's childhood was less than ideal, growing up with this cloud hanging over his head. His own people, his own relatives, his own tribe, his, his own kin, the Gileadites, they, they, they were kind of outlaws a little bit themselves, but they decided that Jephthah didn't fit in. They, they wanted to put him outside of the tribe, and so they, they booted him out of, of their village, so to speak. And here he was. He was an illegitimate son, and he was rejected by his own people. He was exiled to an unfamiliar land. And it was there we read in, verse, in chapter number 11, it was there in the land of Tob that the Bible tells us that other men who, who were somewhat like Jephthah, other men of similar ilk, they began to join themselves together with him. They began to kind of ally with him, and so Jephthah became their de facto leader. And these men, Jephthah and this, this, this band that he kind of assembled together, they, they, they would go out and they, they would raid and they, they would plunder. Sounds like a bunch of pirates, right? And, and land pirates, land pirates would be a pretty good description of them because they would go to the villages around Gilead and they would raid them and then they would take off the spoil, take away the spoil, and that's how they sustained themselves. 
But then we just read it a moment ago in the 12th chapter of Judges that, that, that the tables began to turn for Jephthah. The Bible tells us that the Ammonites, they came against the Israelites and they launched an all-out attack. And at that point, the people, the elders of, of Gilead, they, they were desperate. And, and when they got desperate at that point, pedigrees didn't matter anymore. Prestige was, was really not important. The, the, the number of stars that a general had on his shoulder really didn't matter. All they cared about in that moment was that they wanted to find the absolute best general that they could to lead their armies into battle against the Ammonites. That's all that mattered. And, and when they called at that moment, they said, Jephthah is our man. We've heard about his exploits. We've heard about his leadership. And so they called for him to come back home. They called for him to return. Come save us, Jephthah. That was their appeal. So here he was knowing that he had the upper hand. Jephthah, the Bible tells us, exercised great wisdom when he said, okay, I'll do this. I'll come and lead you. But after the battle is over, I'm going to remain as your leader. You're not going to call me in to rescue you and then send me back to Tob. You're not going to kick me back out again. I'll come in and I'll lead. But when, when, when the battle is over, when the dust settles, I'm staying as your leader. So in their desperation, they agreed they needed help. So Jephthah took the helm, and at first, he tried to reason with the Ammonites. He didn't just go rushing into battle, but he tried to talk with them. He tried to reason with them, but they refused the voice of reason. And then Jephthah invited some of Israel's other tribes to ally with him, but none, including the Ephraimites, who we just read about a moment ago, none of them responded to the invitation that he sent out. And so he marshaled an army of his mercenaries along with the men of Gilead, and they set out marching against the Ammonites. And God, we read it a moment ago, God delivered them with his mighty right hand. And on the heels of that, on the heels of this great, miraculous victory, the Ephraimites realized that they had missed out. They, they realized this was a victory they could have partaken in. This was a triumph that they could have been a part of. And so they asked Jephthah, why didn't you call us? We'd have, been, we'd have fought alongside you. We'd have come and helped you. Why, why didn't you call for, why didn't you ask us to come help? To which he responded, I did. I did ask for help but you didn't come. You didn't respond. And then he made this profound comment that we read just a moment ago. He said, listen, when you didn't help, when I called to you and you didn't come, I put my life in my hands and I went to battle. When you didn't come help me, when you didn't come running, I took the situation in my own hands and I went to battle. So on this day before Independence Day, let me preach about that for a few minutes. Ultimately, church, a man is responsible for his actions. When I say a man, I'm talking about mankind. We are, ultimately, we are responsible for our actions. This is a fundamental truth that is found throughout the word of God. You and I are responsible for our own actions. Yes, man is different than the other created beings. We're created in the image of God. But listen, that doesn't mean that we're just like God. We're not omniscient. 
even so though some of you teenagers probably think your mom is, we don't know everything. We're, we're not omnipotent. We're not omnipresent. Yet the Bible informs us that we are made in God's image. What that means, that means that, that we've been given some of the traits of God, and those traits separate us from the rest of God's creation. Listen, let me remind you, we are the only ones that the Bible says that God breathed into us the breath of life, and that caused us to become a living soul. And the thing about a soul is that a soul lives forever. A soul is eternal. And along with having a soul, another thing that distinguishes us is that humankind is self-aware. That means that we know who we are. That means we know where we are. That means we know what we're doing. We're self-aware. I want you to think about it like this today. Does a donkey know that he's a donkey? Deep, profound thoughts here on a, on a Sunday at the Life Church. Does the donkey know that he's a donkey? Or does he just know that he has four legs and a fierce, stubborn streak? Does a cow know that he's a cow and that when he's cooked, you know, medium to medium rare, that he is absolutely delicious? Does he know that? Sorry to ruin, ruin your vibe for your cookout tomorrow, but no, they don't know that. Because cows and donkeys and other animals are not self-aware. Another attribute of being made in the image of God is that we have the power of choice. Are you with me? We're, we're self-aware. We have a soul, and we also have the power of choice. In other words, we can choose what we will do, and we can choose what we will not do. And with that awesome power of choice comes responsibility, right? Responsibility. Unlike other creatures, man is responsible, yeah, let me tell you before I get too far along in this, there, there are some things we're not responsible for. There's a lot that we are. We're going to get into some of those. But there's some things that we're not responsible for. Some things are just given. There are things that you didn't choose. There are things that you can't choose. And those are things, you know what, the things you can't choose are the things you shouldn't worry about trying to change. Talking about things like your stature, your height, your hair color, your complexion. As a matter of fact, Jesus himself said that we can't add a cubit to our stature. Just by thinking, we can't make ourselves. I promise you, if you could have, I would have done it. I would have done it. So, so, so why should we worry about something that we can't change? Why, why should we spend any time, you know, and effort and energy on something that we didn't choose and we can't change? We aren't responsible for it, so why worry about it? I'm, I'm talking about things, you know, beyond just your looks, but I'm talking about your family background. Listen, you didn't choose it, so you can't change it. I'm talking about who, who your parents are or where you were born or what you look like. Here's how the old saying goes. Maybe we can put it on the screen here. Here's how it goes. God, give us courage to change the things that we can and the patience to live with the things that we can't and the wisdom to know the difference. 
Can I encourage somebody today that you need to quit wasting your time fighting battles that you weren't ever supposed to fight in the first place? Quit fighting battles that you can't win because you didn't choose them and because you didn't choose them, you don't have the power to change them. It's futile. You are who you are. And here's the good news. God can use you exactly the way you are. You don't have to change yourself for God to be able to use you. But there is a fight worth fighting. There are some things worth taking a stand over. There there are some things worth making the effort to change. That's the fight to change things that are within your power. You can take responsibility for your life. One of the greatest values of our nation is personal responsibility. This whole experiment that we embarked on, it kind of relies on a couple things. Number one, morality. Right? We're, we're, We're a nation founded upon biblical principles. As a matter of fact, printed on our money is in God we trust. Right? And so this nation is founded upon that. We, 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 we got to put God first. We want to, we want to be a, a moral society. And, and the moment we quit being moral, guess what? Our government doesn't work anymore. Our, our laws, they, they really aren't any good. Things, but the wheels begin to fall off once we stray from morality. The Bible says righteousness exalts a nation. And the reason the United States of America has been blessed is when we've not been perfect. Don't, don't, don't read into what I'm saying here. We've got our flaws and issues, but there has been an, an endeavor to say, hey, let's do things the right way. Let's be a Christian nation. Let's, let's be a land that exalts God and reverences and fears God. And because of that, we have been blessed beyond measure. So the one thing is, 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 is morality. The other thing is personal responsibility. Amen. Those are things that our nation was founded on, that you, you, we, we need to be a moral people, and you've got to take responsibility for yourself. That was God's expect, expectation of Adam in the Garden of Eden, that he would be responsible for the things that, that fell to him in the garden. Adam, we find Adam had responsibilities there. He didn't make the garden, but he was responsible to tend the garden. To keep it up. He, he didn't plant the trees. God spoke and boom, they were planted. But he was responsible for tending the trees and the plants. He didn't design the animals, but he was supposed to take responsibility to name the animals. So that's what we all should have, this personal responsibility. So we've got to know what our responsibilities are and we've got to see to them But can I say it today? Unfortunately, many times we deny responsibility. Responsibility, that word, as a matter of fact, has become a much maligned word in our society. Many people bristle at responsibility. We shirk responsibility. And all of the evidence that I need today to prove that is if you'll just take notice at how much of an expert that we've all become in shifting the blame. But we've had good examples. We've had others before us, and they they did the same thing. Maybe I should say we had bad examples. You see, after original sin, Adam, here's what Adam told God. It's because of that wife you gave me. And, And then when God spoke to Eve, she replied by saying, it was the serpent. The serpent 
deceived me. And then later we find that Aaron said to his brother Moses, he said, hey, the people made me do it. They just started throwing all their jewelry into the fire and out came this, this, this golden calf. It's the people's fault, Moses. I want you to think about this. We blame fast food restaurants for making us fat. We blame tobacco companies for giving us cancer. We blame the church for our lack of spiritual growth. Ooh. And we even blame God for the results of our poor choices. God, why is this happening to me? Well, think about the decisions you've been making lately. You are going to reap what you sow. And then this, when we don't have anyone else to blame, we resort to this one. Well, the devil made me do it. Come on. It's time to grow up. It's time to grow up, church. It's time to stand on your own feet. It's time for some spiritual maturity. It's time to look in the mirror at the real issue. Hear me today. Quit blaming your parents for the way that you are. Young people, quit blaming your teachers for your bad grades. Quit blaming the government for all of your problems. Quit blaming Hollywood for your carnality. Come on, quit blaming someone else and take the responsibility for your own life because it starts with you. Hallelujah. Let's be honest for a moment. The devil isn't your biggest enemy. You are. Your parents aren't your biggest enemy. You are. That person at church isn't your biggest enemy. You are. I want you to say it with me right now. It starts with me. It starts with me. Listen, and until we get this, then there will be no resolution and there will be no progress and the Ammonites are going to destroy us and have their way with us and we're going to continue to live our life as a victim. But I want you to know today, that's not God's will for you. It's time for you to take responsibility, take the responsibility of your life and get it back under control. Amen. Remember Jephthah? We left him for a little while. Jephthah was an outcast. He was rejected. He was illegitimate. But you want to know what Jephthah's name meant? It means deliverance. Praise God. Mm, I feel the Holy Ghost. Jephthah's name meant deliverance. Think about his past. Think about the cloud that he grew up under, but his name meant deliverance. And in those early years when he was being ridiculed, and in those early years of his life when he was being marginalized and mistreated, listen, he probably began to question his identity. But when the Lord gave him a victory over the Ammonites, that's when Jephthah started living up to his name. Come on, there's some of you today that you, it's time for you to start living up. Come on, are you a child of God or not? Have you been born again? Did you take the name of Jesus Christ on in baptism? Or now it's time for some of us to start living up to our name as children of God. 
Real quick, let, let me share three insights from our text. I'm, I'm going to hurry along to, to conclusion here. Three, three insights from our text. The first is this, and maybe we can put it on the screen. The first is that de- deliverance doesn't begin. It doesn't begin with somebody else. Are we able to put that up? There we go. Deliverance doesn't begin with somebody else. That's what it says in Judges chapter 2. Let's read it again. Maybe we can put that on the screen as well. And Jephthah said to them, My people and I were in the great struggle with the people of Ammon. And when I called you, you did not deliver me out of their hands. So he, he, he thought he needed Ephraim's help. Jephthah thought that he needed reinforcements. He thought that he needed another tribe to come and join with them. And so he made a petition and he sent a message and he called out, hey, come help us. We're about to go against the enemy. We're about to go into battle and we need your help. But the Bible says an answer, a reply didn't come. And while that might seem like bad news on the surface, it caused Jephthah to learn something very important that day. And that was that deliverance doesn't begin with somebody else. Listen to me today. As long as you have your eyes focused on someone else, hoping that they're going to be your key to breakthrough, hoping that your deliverance resides in them, as long as you are looking to others, you are going to be disappointed. So hear me today. You need to stop waiting for your ship to come in driven by somebody else. You need to quit waiting for somebody to answer all of your questions. Quit waiting for somebody else to bail you out because as long as you are doing that, you're looking to the wrong source. Deliverance doesn't begin with somebody else. That leads me to the second insight, and that is that deliverance starts with me. Not with somebody else. Deliverance starts with me. Look look back at verse 3 of Judges 12. Here's what it says in verse verse 3. It says, so when I saw that you would not deliver me, I took my life in my hands. Do you see that up there at the top? Second sentence. When I saw deliverance wasn't in somebody else, I took responsibility. I took my life in my hands, and I crossed over against the people of Ammon. Church like Jephthah, you've got to take your life in your own hands. That means that some of you are going to have to get out of that passive mode that you've been in. Well, you know what, if I I can just get that position, if I can just just get that promotion, and and if the winds will begin to change, and if things will just start start going my way, and if, if that door will just open, well, maybe you need to push on the door a little bit. That door may be unlocked. Have you tried the handle? Quit waiting for somebody else to do it. Take control of your life. Take your life in your own hands and declare, I'm not waiting on anyone else and I'm not waiting on anything else. I'm going to start the process. I'm going to do what it takes because it starts with me and not with someone else. Come on, Jephthah. 
Come on, you might have a boatload of excuses today. You might have a full menu of reasons why you can't do it. But let me remind you, your name means deliverance. You're a child of promise. You're a child of God. And it's time for you to step into your purpose. It's time for you to take your life in your own hands. Oh, hold on, Deborah. What are you thinking, Deborah? You know, all these other judges have been men, and you're, you're a female. Well, what are you doing, Deborah? I'll tell you what I'm doing. I'm taking my life in my own hands because I'm not going to sit around and wait for somebody else to step up and lead. Well, Gideon, what are you doing? Don't you know what they say about you? That you're the least in your whole family. No, I know what my family says. I know what about everybody else says. I know what I've even said about myself in the past, but I've heard what God said about me. And God says, I'm a mighty man of valor. And so I'm going to take my life in my own hands. Esther, you better be careful. Esther, you better watch out. What you're talking about doing is dangerous. It could cost you your life, Esther. Well, I'm not just going to sit on my hands and I'm not going to watch a generation of my people be wiped out. I'm going to take this in my own hands. I'm going into the court of the king. Where are you going for, lepers? You must be lost, guys. You're marching in the wrong direction. You're marching in the direction of the enemy's camp. Yeah, we know we are, but we're not just going to sit here until we die. We're going to take our lives into our own hands. Paul, shh, Silas, quieten down. It's lights out time here in the prison. If you keep singing and if you keep rejoicing, you're going to wake up the prison guards and you're going to make them mad. That's okay. I'm going to keep on singing. I'm going to keep on rejoicing because I'm taking the situation. I'm taking my life into my own hands. Listen, church, deliverance will come when you're willing to step out. Deliverance comes when you're willing to start the process. Quit waiting on somebody else. Quit waiting on something else. That brings me to my final point. I'm almost finished. Deliverance comes from the Lord. Not from somebody else. It starts with you, but it comes. Look at the last part of verse 3 of Judges 12. Here's what it says. And who delivered them? Come on, help me out. And who delivered them? The Lord delivered them into my hand. Why then have you come up against me to fight me this day? Listen. Even though deliverance starts with you, it doesn't come from you. It comes from the Lord. Yes, you've got to initiate. You, you've got to be the one that says, hey, I'm ready. I'm ready to come out of this pit. I'm ready for my life to be different. I'm ready for something to change. There's some things that I can't change, but there's others that I can. And I'm ready for those things to change. It starts with you. But God brings deliverance. 
because of that you need to say like the psalmist did I will lift up my eyes to the hills from whence my help comes from my help comes from the Lord the maker of heaven and earth. Somebody needs to declare today, like the apostle Paul, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. He is the vine and I am a branch and apart from him, I can do nothing. But if I abide in him, I can bear much fruit. Thanks for joining us today. We hope that you were inspired by today's sermon. Connect with the Life Church through our website, tlcdallas.com, and on Facebook and Instagram at TLC Dallas. Remember, together we can love God, love people, and make a difference. God bless.